Hey mama, are you terrified of labor? Are you wanting to get healthy for you and for your baby or your family? Maybe you're struggling to feel sexy postpartum. If that's you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Fit Mama podcast, where I'm spilling all of the pregnancy and postpartum secrets you need to know. I'm Sarah, your fitness bestie. I'm a certified prenatal and postnatal fitness specialist, certified Pilates instructor, and certified yoga teacher. I'm also a certified hot mess mama of a two-year-old boy, and I'm currently pregnant with identical twin girls. So reheat your coffee, settle in, and let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Fit Mama podcast. I am so excited about today's episode because I am joined by Casey from Raising Tiny Foodies, and she is here to spill all of her secrets on how we can get our kids to eat healthy foods and how we can eat healthy with them. So welcome, Casey. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to talk to you and your community today and hopefully spread some knowledge here that'll help you out with your tiny, tiny eaters at home. (laughs) Well, I know all of us moms are pumped for this one because there is nothing like trying to get a toddler to eat their food without throwing it across the room. So give us a little intro to you. Tell us about your nutrition background, your mom background. Give us the rundown on Casey. Yeah. So um, I'm a nutritionist. I specialize in maternal and child nutrition. Um, I'm a mom of two. I have a two-year-old and a 10-month-old. So I have an online nutrition coaching business called Raising Tiny Foodies, where I teach moms basically how to simplify clean eating. So I'm all about helping you go from feeling overwhelmed to confident when it comes to feeding yourself and feeding your family, um, encouraging you to make your health a priority. I think this is super important. Nourishing ourselves is something that's going to get us through our day as a mom and all the things that we have to do, Um, but also to be a good role model for our kids. And I think that's something that's really important to us. So um, my kind of professional background, so I have a bachelor's of science in nutrition science. Um, Right out of college, I landed my dream job, which I'm super grateful for. I was able to work as a maternal and child nutrition counselor in the public health field. So nutrition education and community nutrition is kind of my jam. And I kind of landed something where I got to do both. Um, So I was able to counsel pregnant moms, breastfeeding moms, and moms with infants and toddlers. And absolutely loved it. It was the most rewarding job ever. my husband is military, so we were living in North Carolina at the time, and we were found out we were going to be moving to Florida. So I sadly had to quit my job. Around that same time, I found out I was pregnant with our with our son, our firstborn, and so I decided to be a stay at home mom. And something that I noticed once I was going through all of these like situations that I was help like coaching moms through right pregnancy, breastfeeding, dealing with the picky eating, starting solids, and I realized there was a huge gap between the nutrition education that we're providing moms and the realities of motherhood. And so that's really what urged me to kind of get back out there and create my own platform where I can continue to educate moms on nutrition, but in a way that's realistic and doable for us. And so, yeah, that's kind of where we are now. I love that. I love that you not only know your stuff, but you have the firsthand experience. We talked a little bit before we started the call and Mm -hmm. I told Casey, there's nothing more frustrating than when someone who is not a mom tries to tell you how to feed children or like how to parent. 
um, because there's what works in theory and then what works in practice. And so you're the whole package. You've got the theory and the practice. So I'm very, very excited to have you on the call today. And again, I really appreciate you making the time because having a two-year-old and a 10-month-old makes for a really busy schedule. <laughs> yes, it does. So let's jump right into it because I have... I would say somewhat of a picky eater on my hands. We like all flavors, but textures can be tricky. And so when we were brainstorming ideas for the podcast and Casey brought up the steps to breaking this picky eating cycle, I was all in (laughs) and very, very (laughs) excited to hear your expertise on the subject. So help us mamas out when we've got picky eaters, what do we do to get out of this cycle? Yes. So um, the important thing to know, so there a lot of times when we're seeing our children display these picky eating behaviors, sometimes it can be things that necessarily aren't what we would contribute to like picky eating. So the three steps that I'm going to teach, like walk us through, basically, this is if you have a child where you feel like, and I get this all the time in my DMs, like the frantic mom of they were a good eater, they were eating all of these foods. And now all of a sudden, like, they won't eat these foods that they used to eat. They're picky with vegetables. They used to love their vegetables. They only eat chicken nuggets. We start to see this kind of decrease in that list of foods that normally they would be eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the three steps really we're taking a look at to, the way to combat that is going to be, we wanna make sure that we are regularly exposing them to new foods and previously rejected foods. And so this was something that I realized, um, it's funny because I, I coach people through this, but going through it yourself, which I'm sure you maybe have felt this before. It's like, I don't even, I'm not taking my own advice. And so when I had this happening with my son, I realized he has these like five or six foods that I know he will eat. And we're just kind of rotating through those same five or six foods. Right. And it's from a place of love. We want them to eat their food. We don't want them to go hungry. And so we feed them these same foods. But what we don't realize is that we're then limiting their exposure to new foods or those foods that maybe they've rejected and told us, no, I don't like this, thrown it on the floor, you know, I, yuck, this is right. gross. And so this three-step is process that I'll walk through kind of teaches you how to start implementing that regular exposure to new and previously rejected foods, but in a way that feels comfortable for you as a mom and also is going to make your child feel comfortable at the dinner table. Because I always, speaking of giving advice on nutrition when you're not a mom, I always cringe at some of the things I used to to say to moms, you know, before I was a mom myself. And the way that we were taught to coach through this was just offer them what you're making for dinner. Don't offer them anything else. If they're hungry, they'll eat, right? And that as a mom, the emotional part that goes into feeding your child, that's really hard to just be like, oh, you didn't eat, you know, get up from the table, dinner's done. That's what I made. So this is where I had to really figure out something different. And that's kind of how I came up with this. So this is what I implemented at home with my toddler and it has worked. It's what I have coached moms through when they're dealing with a similar situation and it works. So we can dive on in. So (laughs) especially like the fact that we're going to address it from a place that feels comfy also for the moms. Yes. There's nothing worse than knowing that your child is going to wake up at 3 a.m. and hungry because yes. there was nothing on their plate that they liked. And so the, and you don't know what to do about that. So I'm very excited. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we can jump right in. So the first kind of step is um, we're going to kind of brainstorm this 
safe foods list. And so safe foods are going to be those foods that I was talking about. So those foods that when you offer them the meal, you know, they're probably going to eat it. And this may not always be what you kind of consider the most healthiest food. So for us, it was like mac and cheese, chicken, quesadillas, pizza, but those are those safe foods, you know, that they're going to eat. And then what I want you to do, so this is kind of step two, is you're going to offer that safe food. That safe food is going to be like the main component of their meal. And then as kind of like a side, you're going to offer those new foods or those previously rejected foods. And so these are going to be smaller portioned on the side of their plate. So if that makes sense, you have, let's say, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And then I made something that has carrots for dinner. So I'm going to offer that as your side. And then the third step is you're going to offer it to them, but we're going to do it in a way where we're having like a pressure-free meal time. So don't put any pressure around them to try the new foods or the previously rejected foods. So, um, and what I mean by pressure, so pressure tactics at mealtime are going to be things like bribery. So, um, you know, they ask for more peanut butter and jelly. You can't have, you can have more peanut butter and jelly when you take a bite of your carrots or, um, another one is like punishment. You can't get up from the dinner table until you take, you know, one or two bites of the carrots. And so, um, allowing there to be encouragement at the table, encouragement is great. And I do encourage encouragement, but not pressuring them or punishing them for not trying the new foods, touching it, showing interest in them. So encouragement, um, different ways that you can encourage them. So you can talk about the food. Um, what color are the carrots? My carrots are crunchy. Are yours soft? Are yours crunchy? Um, talk about the foods. Other people at the dinner table, this is really important to make sure that other people at the dinner table are also eating the foods. Um, I always relate this. Sometimes it helps to put things in our perspective. So if you were to go to a dinner party and there was like a set menu and you're going to sit down and you look down and there is something on your plate that just like looks weird. You're not so sure about it. You've never seen it before. And nobody else at the table that you're sitting with is eating that. You're going to be like, mm, no, thank you. I'm, I'm just going to leave this here and eat what looks what looks comfortable and good for me. And, but if you sit down at the table and everyone else is eating it and they're enjoying it and they're like, mm, that's good. Ooh, yeah, I like this. Your child's going to be more likely to want to, I want to taste of that. I want to know what that's like. Mom and dad are eating it. Sister's eating it. Um, so just encouraging them and making them feel comfortable around those new foods, because a lot of the times this is what it is. They're just not comfortable with the food or they're testing. I always find this coming up like that 18 to 24 months um, range because they're just figuring out like I can say no to foods. I cannot eat foods. Um, right. So just making sure that you're still offering. That's like the key to this is continuing to offer those foods and you have to stay consistent with it. This isn't like an overnight fix. If you go home and implement this, <laughs> it's not going to, I'm not promising you that they're going to eat the carrots right off the bat. It takes time and it takes consistency. Um, so I would encourage to try this safe food, new and previously rejected food, at least one meal a day. If you can do it more than one meal a day, that's going to, that's really where you're going to see the most success with, with it. And in terms of encouragement, which I love, like a positive environment <laughs> around the food and not this like bargaining and negotiating about the food. Yeah. You mentioned talking about the food or how good it is and everyone at the dinner table being part of that. So mm -hmm. my question would be, let's say I want my child to eat carrots. Should I be talking with others at the table about how good the carrots are and let my child just be a listener of that conversation? Or should I be talking to my child about like, carrots are really good. Like, 
because I think that always leads to you should try it. And then there's the pressure aspect. So how do you recommend encouraging conversations that don't create that pressure? Yeah, this is a great question. So when you are talking about the food and teaching them about the food, if you're asking questions like, oh, what color are the carrots? If you have other people, other children at the dinner table, you know, kind of direct it to everyone. It doesn't have to be, you know, like zoned in on the picky eater. Like, oh, these are so good. This is delicious. Take a bite, take a bite. Um, but just to talk about the food in a way that's it's not from this like mysterious thing that's on their plate. Um, and two, showing them how to eat the food. A lot of times I find that kids aren't trying foods that are put on their plate simply because they just don't know how to go about eating it. This is really common when we're in that like um, 18, 12 to 18 month range where we're introducing these new foods that require poking it with a fork to eating it, chewing it, all of these different things that they may not be quite used to yet. So um, sometimes when I set something down for my son, if he's never eaten it before, I'll just let him know like, hey, you know, this food, you can poke it with your fork and then put it in your mouth. And you're just I- instructing them on basically how, and they're watching you too. That, that's the main thing. But yeah, so okay. kind of directing it, I guess answering your question is directing it to everyone, kind of communication at the table as a whole rather than directed directly at them. <laughs> okay, that, that makes a lot of sense, especially with what you said about, you know, put yourself in their shoes. If someone was staring at me across the table and saying like, this is really good, you should eat it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be weirded out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the first step, I love that. So have a safe food, have that list of kind of safe food, and then accompany that safe food with the non-desired food. Is that a good summary yeah. of that first? Yeah. Step? And I would, those like new foods or previously rejected. So this is a food you've offered before, but maybe they've told you no, or they haven't eaten it. Um, still continue to offer those foods. Don't just write them off because they haven't tried them the first, second, third time that you offered them. Um, But making sure to keep, I would offer at least one on the plate, but no more than two, because again, we don't want to overwhelm them with too much going on on the plate. So I'd keep it to like one or two sides of those those, um, undesired foods. Okay. And this might be a little bit like technical, but I've seen conflicting advice about when you offer different foods if you should have the plates that have the barriers or Mm -hmm. if we should have everything together so it doesn't feel like there's a big separation of I guess the foods that they like and don't like so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that when we're combining like your safe and not not safe foods yeah the new ones we're introducing Uh, yeah so um the thoughts on divided plates so I think that the The advice that we're often hearing on not to separate the foods is that then when we have a meal where the foods aren't separated or where the two foods that are on the plate are maybe mixed in like a casserole or like when you make, you know, like a one skillet meal, then they're not going to eat it because it's there's these other things mixed in. So what I kind of recommend doing and what I have found successful in our house is when you're offering a food that is new, they've never seen the food before, I would offer it at, on its own. Um, but then also make sure that sometimes you're offering it mixed in with other things. And it it doesn't necessarily have to be mixed in, but you know, usually the plates are like the three dividers, right? It's like the bigger and then the two small ones. Um, And so what I'll do sometimes is like, let's say we're going to have chicken and then carrots. I'll put just the chicken and the carrots in that big, bigger um, space. So they're together and they're touching, um, not separated. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. Um, We can take advantage of 
the space that we do have yeah. in those plates yes. to kind of not make it this food that's off to the side and rejected. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. So now I'm already brainstorming my dinner for, <laughs> for my child. Um, but before I like put the cart ahead of the horse, there's also a lot of questions I think that we moms have about how to how to make picky eating part of um, or not part, how to break picky eating out of your family dynamic when um, you also don't want to create like a bad relationship with food. And that becoming more part of the conversation, especially as like our generation is breaking out of diet culture and realizing so much of what we grew up with was kind of toxic, if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually have some like frequently asked questions from my audience that I would love if we could touch on. So the first one Mm -hmm. is about your kids saying that they hate healthy foods. And a lot of women who are working with me or interested in what content I provide are trying to get healthy themselves. And so mm-hmm. maybe previously they have been cooking meals that feel safe for the whole family. And it's like, all we eat is pizza and we eat pasta and these foods that are not necessarily bad. We don't want to call them bad foods, but we don't want them to be the majority of our diet when we're trying to get in a lot of micronutrients and just nutrient dense foods in general. And so as the mom makes this transition, she finds it really hard to pull the rest of the family with her. And usually Mm -hmm. the biggest pushback is from the kids because they don't have the control over how to cook dinner or when we're eating or they don't have control over a lot. And so what would you recommend to a mom who is trying to change the family dynamic to eat healthier foods, but her kid says that they absolutely hate healthy food? Yeah. So this is a great question. This is what I deal with when I'm talking with moms as well. This is like the biggest struggle is getting the kids on board and they're not making the health changes they want to make because the kids aren't receptive to the new foods. Um, And so this is the three-step process that are three components that we kind of talked about. This is kind of how I would go about when you're looking to make healthier choices, when you're looking to switch up your dietary um, choices that you're making with our kids, because there is that lack of control and because they don't really understand what's going on necessarily, you know, like we know why we're making these healthier choices because it's to better ourselves, but our kids don't always understand that. And so the biggest thing I can say is to take it slow. We can't expect our kids. It may be easier for us to make those healthier swaps really quickly, but it's a little bit harder for our kids. And so taking it slow, using that three-step process of offering the safe foods with these newer and healthier foods that you're trying to eat yourself and trying to encourage your family to eat. But take it slow. Let them get comfortable with a food. It can take, if you've never had, you know, this vegetable or you don't really normally cook or, you know, like offer hummus or whatever it is, you have to allow your kids to get comfortable around that food because it is new and they don't know what it is. They don't know why you're all of a sudden offering it. And so it can take eight to 12 times when you, for your kids to be exposed to a new food for them to even try it. So I know it's hard because we want to get rid of those like unhealthy foods that we're talking about, but sometimes Sometimes it may be a little bit more helpful for you to offer, continue to offer those as kind of part of a meal while we're introducing these new foods, if that makes sense. For a while until that list of safe foods, if you keep at this and you stay consistent, that list of safe foods is going to grow to where now 
like with my toddler, I cook one meal for the whole family and I know he's going to eat what's on the plate. And if there's something new, I know he's going to at least try it. He doesn't always eat it, but you can now slowly kind of morph into that one meal for the whole family. But it does take a while to kind of get there, especially depending on what your diet looks like now and where you want it to be. That is so helpful. And I think it's helpful to even hear that it can take eight to 10 times Mm -hmm. for this to even start to show some kind of results because I know the temptation is if it doesn't work on the second or the third time, we just think, okay, it's just not for them. They just hate it. They'll never eat it. X, Y, Z. And then we give up. Um, And then Mm -hmm. our list of safe foods never changes. Yeah. But in terms of getting kids comfortable, because you mentioned that a couple of times, like get them comfortable mm-hmm. with the food, are there things that they can do prior to mealtime to get comfy with food? Are there things that moms can be doing in the grocery store or in the kitchen or anywhere to help that comfort level increase? So maybe we would have success before we've been trying to feed them this for six months. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So um, some great things that you can do outside of the kitchen are going to be buy books. Amazon has tons of books on fruits, vegetables, healthy foods. Get them familiar with these foods in a way that they're used to seeing new things presented, right? So reading books with them that talk about the food, get them familiar with those new types of foods. Um, And then getting them involved at the grocery store. So taking them grocery shopping, having them grocery shop with you talk about, you know, if it's fruits and I find it's usually fruits and vegetables that we're having a hard time with, get them involved when you're shopping for produce, ask them, you know, Hey, you can pick out one food that you love and that you want to pick out at the grocery store. And then let's pick out one new fruit or vegetable to try. And then that's going to kind of get them intrigued and excited about these new foods. Um, depending on their age, you can get them involved in the kitchen. So having them prep the food with you, if you're making broccoli, you know, have them touch the broccoli and help you, I don't know, mix it up with olive oil in a bowl and some salt and some pepper, whatever it is, how you're preparing age appropriate ways that they can help in the kitchen too, is going to help them get comfortable around the food, familiarize themselves with the food, as well as when they tend to be involved in the grocery shopping and in the cooking process, they're going to be more receptive to trying the food because they've had a hand in making it. So it's kind of like, Ooh, I want to try that. I helped make it. Um, so yeah, those are other, those are kind of some different ways. Um, if I don't know how certain people feel about screen time, but there also is tons of videos and things out there that if you do allow screen time, that's a great option for screen time to try and help them. um, If you want to do something that's a little bit more educational and constructive, then you can, I'm sure you can find stuff online that talks about fruits and vegetables and eating healthy and all that good stuff. (laughs) I love that. And I feel like there's so many options there that surely we can find one (laughs) where we Mm -hmm. can help. Um, Yeah. I, I definitely have experienced this with my own child. He went through a phase with eggs and we were going to eat eggs. And so he needed to help me in the kitchen making them to actually want to eat them. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, kids are funny, but I think it is also comfort and control are really close. (laughs) And um, having some sort of control in the process from grocery store to the plate can be really helpful. Um, But I do have one other question that comes up pretty frequently because we moms get tired. And we, at the end of the day, just want to make sure our kids are eating what's healthy. And sometimes the temptation is to hide the vegetables, especially 
in like baked goods. I see every variation of pancake, of cupcake, of muffin, and it's always got some sort of carrot or zucchini mixed into it. So I want to know your thoughts on that. Is that something that we can can be a good tool for us? Is that something that you might want to avoid? What do you think? So, I mean, my personal opinion, so I'm 100% for hidden veggie recipes, but it has to be done in a correct way. So hiding nutrient-dense foods in foods you know your kids are going to like, like pancakes or little muffins, spaghetti sauce, pizza sauce, whatever that is. Um, I don't see the downside to that because all we're doing is we are increasing the nutrient density of that meal. So, and especially if you have like a severely picky eater, like they aren't eating any vegetables, it may be beneficial for you to grate a little bit of carrot or grate a little bit of zucchini and mix that in with the pizza sauce. So then you know that they're getting the nutrient benefits from those foods. So it can be helpful. And I do encourage moms to do this. Even if you don't have a picky eater, I throw chia seeds, flax seeds, vegetables into all kinds of foods that my kids are eating just to help increase the nutrient density of those meals. But I also want to really encourage you, if you are doing this, you still need to make sure that you're offering those foods whole in a way that they are normally presented. So if you're going to be hiding carrots and zucchini in spaghetti sauce, also make sure, it doesn't have to be in the exact same meal, but just make sure that you're also still offering those carrots as carrots look and the zucchini as the zucchini looks. Because again, we want them to be breaking the picky eating habits is going to be regularly exposing them to those foods. So we're hiding it, they're not exposed to it. Okay, that makes total sense. And I find that I do this with my own food as well. Like if I can throw a block of tofu into pasta sauce to up the protein yeah. and I'm not going to taste it, why not? Um, mm-hmm. I talked with a client yesterday who was saying she was struggling with vegetables and I'm like, put it in your pasta, make a Balinese. Mm-hmm. Like there are tons yeah. of vegetarian options for that. So yeah, again, putting our place or putting ourselves in their place, I think really helps to visualize how that can be helpful. Um, I do wonder, would you recommend maybe not for like extreme picky eaters, but for those who are kind of like on the fence or just slightly picky, introducing the concept to them of like, look, we're throwing these vegetables into our pasta and blending it up and having them know that it's there. Or do you think maybe don't even bother? Like it's not that helpful. Um, I mean, you can try it out and see how it works. So if you find that when you're telling them those foods are in the pasta sauce, and then they're not going to eat the pasta sauce because they're in there, it may be beneficial for you to not let them know that they're in there um, Mm -hmm. until you can kind of get control of those picky eating habits. Now with my own kids, I... I mean, if he's helping me, um, obviously my 10 month old's not helping me in the kitchen, but if he's helping me make something, I'm not hiding the fact that I'm putting those foods in there. Um, but I'm also not like announcing it to him, if that makes sense. Really trying to just kind of like normalize those foods being in, like if you're making pasta sauce, like this is how I make pasta sauce. I put carrots and zucchini in there. Um, and not again, kind of like not making it that big of a deal, trying to really normalize Because I think sometimes we put um, these healthier foods up kind of like on a pedestal and there's a lot of pressure surrounding them sometimes. So kind of taking that pressure away of like, this is just normally in the pasta sauce. Okay. That makes total sense. And Mm -hmm. yeah, normalizing the food so that it doesn't become like the health halo and then these other foods get demonized. I feel like that's 
like you said, something that we can model to our kids, modeling healthy eating and a healthy relationship with food is one of the best gifts mm-hmm. that we can give our children. So I think this was all super helpful. I know personally, um, it's encouraging to hear that other moms struggle, but also really encouraging to have a good action plan in place mm-hmm. because we don't want to struggle forever. And yes, have, you know, 20 year olds who will only eat pasta at you know, Friday dinner. Yes. So <laughs> super, super helpful, Casey. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge with us. Again, so much good information here. But where can they find you, the listeners, if they have additional questions or if they're interested in working with you? Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram at raising.tiny.foodies. Um, so that's where you can kind of find me. You can always, my DMs are always open. So if you have any questions um, after the podcast or you know, later on, you can always jump in my DMs and ask me questions. I also have free 15 minute coffee chats. Um, again, you can just jump in my DMs, say, hey, I want to do a coffee chat. This is if you just have like a question and you want me to give you just like action steps like we talked here today to go home and implement at mealtime with your kids. So I yeah, love that. Yeah, you guys need to go check out her Instagram again. That's raising.tiny.foodies. It is so helpful. There's so much incredible content there. We connected through Instagram. And as soon as I saw her page, I was like, this is a gold mine. Honestly, I'm saving everything on this page. Like this is incredible. So you guys go find her there. Feel free to reach out in the DM. She knows her stuff. And that is invaluable for us moms. Um, so thank you so, so much, Casey, you guys reach out. I'll leave her links in the show notes and until the next podcast, you guys enjoy your coffee, reheat it if you need to, and have an extra cup for me.